0: Good morning. For those of you who don't know us, there's probably some of the grace of God in that. Um, We live in a semi-rural part of South Africa where God has called us to, and the really fun thing is where God calls you somewhere, he calls you there so he can give more of Jesus to you. He doesn't call you to do a work primarily. Work gets done in the out-walking, but what we have found as we have got to South Africa is that our Jesus is there waiting for us, and that's why we're going back, because Jesus is still there for us. And we had a social worker ask us, um, in the process of of fostering and looking to adopt uh, our little boy, Zakkai, we haven't adopted him yet, but we have fostered him. Um, We had a social worker ask us, do you promise to stay in South Africa? Because... I don't want this little boy to leave the country. I don't want you to adopt him and then just take him out. And that's often what people do. And we looked her in the eye and we said, I'm really sorry, but we can't promise that. Because if Jesus leaves for us, we'll leave too. And at times, God will put these scenarios in your life where you have to choose. Because it's our desire to love him for a lifetime up close. We'll love him for a lifetime whether he's up close or far away. But it's our desire to love him up close for a lifetime. And God says, will you lie to a person or will you open your heart and be honest? And we said, well, we can't promise that because if Jesus leaves South Africa, we're going to follow him. And this little smile turned up on the corner of her mouth. And she said, good. And then at the end of the meeting, she recommended to the social worker that he was fostered to us for two years. And then then perhaps we could adopt him at the end. And so that's why we're there. We're there for our beautiful Jesus. uh, And it's an incredible privilege to, to be there and to be here. Uh, We love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the gift of Christ in you. Thank you for the journey that you're taking. Thank you for being willing to take it. Um, And thank you for being willing to bless us, to come in and receive from it, uh, and then head back to South Africa, possessed a little more by the nature of Christ than when we flew in a few weeks ago. Uh, Why don't you open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, and at the same time give thanks to Jesus for the free air conditioning outside. (laughs) It is a gift. I don't like winter. Wah, 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 wah. Give thanks for the seasons <laughs> like we give thanks for our free heating. Acts <laughs> chapter 2. You know, I was praying for the rock months ago. What makes us a part of this house, yes, is attending services, yes, is serving. But primarily what makes you a part of this house is hearing the call of God over the house and agreeing with it. That's why we're more united to the rock over there than we ever were here, because our intimacy with him has increased, and we're able to agree with what he wants to do in us together, because we're one church. Like, it cracks me up when someone gets... In a hard, no, sorry, hear my heart on this. I find it ironic when somebody gets in a hard place and they leave a building and they say, I'm leaving the church and I'm going to another church because actually we're all just one. It's like the finger goes, oh, I don't like this finger, so I'm going to leave this part and I'm going to go and attach myself to the knee and I'm going to say I'm a part of a different body. So the only reason to stay at the rock is if God's called you here. The only reason to leave is if he calls you out. It's actually that simple. And there's glorious freedom in that. Like when we went to Greg, Bex and I remember so clearly, we sat down in his office and we went, God told us today to resign, but we'll never leave without your blessing because if he's told us, he'll tell you. It still means you submit, even though you hear the voice of God. And Greg looked and he said exactly that. He, he pointed here and he said, I hate it, but I love it. Yeah. And he said, you're free to go. And that process took about six months, but off we went and... Here we are still one somehow by the miraculous part of his spirit. Right, Acts chapter 2 before we get far too off track. So I was praying for the rock a number of months ago, and the Lord gave me this word for you. I have never preached this message before. This is not one that I've preached 10 times in Africa over the last year, and I'm pulling out because I'm comfortable with it. It's one for you. It's for this house. Um, Who was here a few weeks ago when I spoke? Okay, cool. Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And God led me to the scripture, and he stopped me on when the day of Pentecost had come. When the day had arrived, when the appointed time had come, the disciples were all together in one place. And the Lord started to speak to me about an appointed time for this house. What is an appointed time? There are promises of God. There are things in God that by faith you can access at any time. I believe we can tap into joy at any time. I believe by faith we can access peace at any time. But a sovereign move of God where Pentecost, where the spirit of God is poured out in a new way, faith doesn't activate that. The fact that God appointed that time sets it in motion. You can't grab a hold of it and pull it faster. You just have to sit and receive the grace and actively wait. It's not a passive waiting. It's an active waiting, but you can't speed it up. All you can do is ensure that you're there when it arrives. And I was speaking to Chris uh, and he made a comment to me a few days ago and just because of what I've been praying for this house for months, it's stuck in my heart. And he said, of the 500 people that Jesus appeared to after he was crucified, how many people were at Pentecost? How many disciples were in the room? We don't actually 100% know, but before it happened, there were 120 in the room. So it definitely wasn't 500. What happened to the other 380? Where did they go? Oh, my business is falling over. I can't just keep seeking the Lord for this appointed time. i got to go. Ah, oh, my, my, my family, and yes, family's important, and yes, business is important, but at the end of the day we live with our eyes on him. Fix your eyes on Christ, fix your eyes on the things above. And the only thing that will the only thing that will mean that you receive what he intends for this house is if you hear it and you receive the grace to actively wait for it. What is an appointed time? Genesis 18 14. God says to Abraham, is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you and Sarah will have a son. Abraham couldn't go, okay, let's hurry this thing up. He tried that. It didn't work. (laughs) He just had to wait for the appointed time. Psalm 75 verse 2 says, God selects an appointed time justly. It says that when he looks and when he's going to outwork and outpour this thing that he has ordained for this season, he sees it all and he selects that time justly, and that gives me great hope. Because it means I can rest in the wonder of a God that sees all, and not my own capacity that sees very, very little. But there's a thing about an appointed time, it offends your flesh. Because flesh will say when I'm at Pentecost waiting for well when I'm in the room waiting for Pentecost, if I teach a series on the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come. The flesh says if we do a program or or a, a you know, the picture that God gave me was the church coming to Greg and Danny and going, What are we doing? And Greg and Danny going, We're waiting for the appointed time. He's building us in the process. We'll speak and we'll worship and we'll pray and we'll journey together, but we're waiting for the appointed time because we just can't actually do anything else. And flesh rises up and goes, but we must be able to do something because we're strong. And God says, this one I will look to, the one who is contrite of spirit. Do you know what contrite means? Smashed, broken to the weak I will look because it will confound the wise and humble the mighty. And so when we wait for an appointed time, there's this glorious reality that everything within us wants to do something. And the Spirit of God is saying, actually, you can't. You can just keep saying yes. Um, I didn't actually know it was you. I thought it might have been, just from the back. But um, the Lord spoke to me during worship. And he said to me that the revelation that you are seeking and the wisdom that you are seeking falls on the platform of surrender. And he said to me that all that you are seeking and all that you want does not come by you lifting up and pursuing, but it actually comes by you taking the water that he's already given you that might be this deep or this deep or however deep it is, and just falling into it. And so I just want to bless you with that. Lord, make that clear. Thank you. Amen. So how do you stay... In the place that God has you to be ready for an appointed time is this horrible word called perseverance. I want to talk to you about perseverance this morning. There's problems with perseverance. If you wait until you need it to start cultivating it, it's too late. Like, I'm hungry, I want dinner. Let's go plant some potatoes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. None of us like asking for it because who wants the scenario that it's required for? God, give me perseverance, but don't give me the scenario that i need perseverance for. I just want the perseverance. You turn to scripture and it it doesn't sound nice. Like, I mean that in in an absolutely honest way. I'm learning a lot about perseverance, not because I have a beautiful capacity to continue, but because in his grace, he's teaching me. And I've turned to scripture along the way, and I've just actually felt burdened and depressed by what it says. Because when you're in a hard scenario and God says seek perseverance, what you read is things like, we also exalt in our tribulations knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And you cry out to God and you say the whole reason I'm at your feet is because I'm not exalting in my tribulations. I don't want to exalt in my tribulations. It's hard. And he says, well, the thing you need, perseverance, comes when you give joy in the situation. And you stand there and you go, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. And it's not real. And you try and give thanks, but it's not here. Or you read Ephesians six eighteen 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Pray at all times for all the saints. And you're like, I can't even pray sometimes for myself. How am I supposed to pray all times for everybody? And you start on this path where you're like, okay, I'm going to see a timer on my watch every five minutes. The flesh trying to achieve the things that, that God ordains. I'm going to put this little thing on, on, on my iPhone so it beeps every 10 minutes, and then I'm going to pray, and it's hard. <laughs> you, you read Paul in 2 Timothy 3 verse 10, and he says, Now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions through perseverance I endured... And out of them all the Lord rescued me. And you go, what a wonderful scripture. God rescued Paul. Thank you, Jesus. At Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, you rescued Paul. And then you go and read what happened to him at Lystra. The Jews came from the other two places, stirred everybody up. They stoned him, dragged him out of the city, left him for dead. And here's Paul saying, and God delivered me. Well, if that's being delivered by the Lord, I don't want to be. And and you see the suffering and the struggle and you go, I don't want perseverance. It sounds hard. And the reality is so often when we talk about perseverance, it actually feels like pressure on the shoulders. I don't know if you find that, but I found that all the time. Someone comes and they say, come on, let's just keep going. And you're like, I can't. Or someone says, you just need to rise up and have faith. And you're like... I've tried. Or someone says, there's this five-step process, and you're like, I did that 10 years ago, and I've done 10 five-step processes since, and it hasn't worked. And his yoke is supposed to be easy, and his burden is supposed to be light. But this thing called perseverance weighs heavily. And maybe some of you are feeling that this morning. And this is what I want to share with you and encourage you with, because perseverance is not waking up in the morning and Using the strength that you can bring to bear to keep going, that is not perseverance that 's called pride in churches all over the world. It is applauded it 's clapped well done johnny you 're working hard for the kingdom well done you 're serving in this area in this area in this area in this area. In this area in God isn't here because you have no time to spend with him and you haven't yet learned how to spend time with them as you do these things. But well done. Because you're getting up every morning and you're deciding that you're going to make a difference. My Bible says that Jesus came to accomplish the work of the Father. If he accomplished it, how much does he need my help? He doesn't. It's done. Yes, a whole lot of learning and how to outwork what he's done. But it's done. So perseverance is not waking up in the morning and using the strength that you can bring to bear. Come on there to Romans 15, verse 5. Here comes the good news. Say to God, I'm ready to be encouraged. I'm ready to be encouraged, God. Verse 4, Romans 15, verse 4. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, capital S, What is the scripture? It's the person of Christ. This is about the person of Christ rising out of the white and the black parts of the pages and being drunk in by who I am and starting to reside here. So that the perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now, this is the bit I want you to get, verse number five. Now, may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement. That's good news grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. So if you're facing a scenario and you need perseverance, what is your responsibility? This is what I've learned over the last year as we've faced all sorts of carnage. This is my perseverance. Help! I wake up every morning and I go, Help! Because that says that you give it. And I need it. And without it, I'm stuffed. And so if you need perseverance, if you're struggling in what's happening in this house at the moment, don't don't try and find the grace and the perseverance within yourself. Just ask for help. Ask him if you're supposed to be here. And if he says yes, ask him for the grace to stay. Because whenever you ask God, (laughs) I ask God to lead me into more of his victory. (laughs) Show me the victory of the cross, King. Okay, I will. But first, I have to show you the suffering. And this is what it cost me to give up my son. See, whenever you ask for victory, he builds it on the platform of suffering. Whenever you say, Lord, lead me into suffering, he does it on the platform of the victory because it's a kingdom of extremes. And so I started asking the Lord for this victory. And you know that song, um, How Great Is Our God? How Great Is Our God? He wraps himself in light and darkness tries to hide. Every time I've sung that song, he wraps himself in light and all the darkness of the world tries to hide. In an instant, he went, he wraps himself in light and all the darkness tries to hide. And the whole song turned around for me. And he engaged me in this process of revealing the scumminess of my flesh, all the while leading me to the victory of who I am in Christ. A phenomenal gift. So, perseverance is a gift from God, and perseverance is this. Perseverance is wind at your back. Perseverance is a breeze behind you that keeps you going. Perseverance is the strength of the person of Christ before you and after you to give you the grace to keep walking forward and mercy behind you to clean up the mess that you make. <laughs> That's what ministry is. I thank him all the time that I walk on the rug of grace and I walk on the rug of peace and his mercy goes behind me, cleaning up all the mistakes that I make because I'm still a person. Okay, so how do you receive perseverance? Number one, get in the habit of asking God for help. Get in the habit of asking God for help. When was the last time you asked him for help? For some of you, it might have been this morning. Honestly, for some of you, it might have been a year ago might have been five years ago. Can you actually remember the last time you came before him and you said, I need you? Because what God does is when you ask him for more of him, he takes you to the place where the him that you are possessed by and therefore possess is not enough for the environment that he's dumped you in. And you wake up every morning and do what I do when I am spirit led every morning and when I don't, pride rises and it's a horrible day. But you wake up every morning and you ask for help because you know that he's the answer. You ask for help. We were in Mozambique in 2011. And um, it's amazing when you get a bunch of people who have been prepared to sacrifice thousands of dollars and time and give up jobs and futures and all sorts of things. And they congregate in one little place in the world and they worship. It creates this little hothouse house of his presence and it's beautiful and we had three months uh in that kind of environment and one morning i was standing during worship and i had my eyes closed and, and all of a sudden i felt the presence of the lord but it was different it wasn't the presence of the lord that i'd felt before and this thought popped into my head this this is jesus this is not just the Spirit bringing us the nature of Christ. This is the physical manifestation, real presence of Jesus. Now, I don't know how that fits with your theology, and I don't know how it sits with my theology, but it's what happened to me. And the fruit that came from it is beautiful, and so I trust that it was him. And so I'm standing there, and I say to him, Jesus, you're here, aren't you? And he says to me, yes, in my presence, what do you want to do? And I fell to my knees, and I put my face to the ground. And he said to me, my son, this is the position of leadership. If you will learn to follow me on your knees, when other people look to you, they will see me. And I wept and I wept and I wept in the dust and the dirt of Africa because I realized that for so much of my life, I'd given all this time to trying to be a leader and no time trying to learn how to follow. See, a follower looks to Christ Where's my Jesus over there I'm going? I don't care that I'm supposed to be preaching a message because that's just religious guff. Jesus is in this corner for me, so you can all wait. Jesus is over here for me. Why am I standing here? Because Jesus is here for me. I'm following him everywhere I go. But a leader has their eyes on the people that they're supposed to be leading taking the place in the presence of Christ. See the scripture says there is one who is leader, there is one who is teacher. If you struggle with what's my anointing? You can just or what's my gift? You can let go of that question because you don't have a gift. You don't have an anointing. It belongs to Jesus. People say, "Oh, I care I have the anointing of worship." No, you don't. Jesus does and he's just gracious enough to share it with you. Yes, gifts are real. Yes, anointing is real, but it's not mine. And yet if you're consumed with being a leader, your eyes are on the people, not on heaven. And when you get that revelation, you know, Jesus said, come follow me. How much has that been preached on here in the last few years? Come follow me. When that sinks into your spirit, you wake up every morning and you go, help. Help. Help me to see you. If you move, give me the grace to follow you. Going to Africa, it's hard. Going back to Africa is even harder. (laughs) Apparently, it's supposed to get easier. Ask someone who's done it. (laughs) There's glorious grace in it, and there's beauty in it, and Christ is in it. But we wake up every morning and go, Help, help me follow you. Give me a softness in my heart that seeks your presence, and help me throw everything out. If you want perseverance, get in the habit of asking for help, because perseverance comes easily when you see God going before you. If you're a leader, you're standing at the front. It's hard. If you're a follower, Christ has gone before you you're just walking in the steps that he's already ordained. You don't need to know where you're going. You don't need to know what it's going to look like. You're just following the footsteps, enjoying the person of Christ. Second thought, how do you receive perseverance? Hear God's voice, agree, and keep on agreeing. Hear God's voice, agree, and keep on agreeing. I know from when we were here a number of years ago that the kingdom was being uh, communicated a lot, that we are called to extend his kingdom on earth. We're called to be people who agree with heaven and see the person of Christ pulled from heaven to earth where the kingdom reality is manifest. And the definition that I love of the kingdom is, you probably all know is where the king has dominion, where the heart, the will, the mind, the wishes of the king are outworked on earth. There's a problem with this theology because it requires every single one of us to say that we know the will of God. How can we steward the kingdom if we don't know the will of God? And this is where it gets complicated because I I do believe that God's heart and his intention is for everybody to, for example, be healed. But he's preparing us for another time. He's doing work in us for a new heaven and a new earth. And by his grace, If he looks at you and he knows that not causing, but by allowing sickness, it'll get you to a place of desperation that you would never dwell in if he just healed you on the spot. I believe he allows it out of a a phenomenal love because he sees what is going to be and how you're going to be prepared for that and how that's going to include you there. Now, Now, does that mean we pray for everybody? Absolutely. But when a friend calls you up and says, I've been diagnosed with cancer, you have to know the will of God because you have to know if you're walking in, laying your hands on them and saying, by his stripes you're healed, get up, or you're walking in on the other extreme of the kingdom and saying his grace is sufficient for you. His power is perfected in your weakness. It's both. And so for us to say that, excuse me, we are bringers of the kingdom, we have to say we know the will of God. And many Christians refuse to agree with that. Uh, Who who can know the mind of God? Absolutely. But we have the mind of Christ. I am seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ. Do I know the will of God? Does the Father talk to the Son? Absolutely. And so many Christians, they take themselves away from this because it sounds like arrogance. Arrogance. And false humility means that they remove themselves from such an assumption. But once you've dwelt with intimacy in God, once you've sat at His feet, you start to understand that the will of a person, knowing the will of a person, is simply the fruit of intimacy. I know the will of my wife most of the time because I've learned. You put 10 houses in front of me. You say, Johnny and Bex, we want to give you a house. And we do all the nice polite things and say thank you. And then you put the 10 houses in front of us and you go, pick one. If Bex wasn't there, I could pick the one that she wants. Betcha. Because I know her will. There are times when we get a phone call in South Africa and everything within me wants to say no to another child because it's just too hard and I'm exhausted and I look at Bex and she doesn't even have to say anything because I see her will the will of Christ outworked in her. And if you want to be people who persevere, the only way forward is to hear the will of the Father, agree, and keep on agreeing. It's all it is. Drawing close in intimacy, understanding his heart, and agreeing with it. Um, when we left the rock, God did something really fun to us. We had no idea we were going to resign. Um, We thought we were going to be here for years and years and years because it was fun. We loved it. And God was and is doing beautiful things here. And um, we're at a conference. And for the first time in our married life, we had a savings account. Yay! Um, and, and, And we managed to save some money and we'd a week before we resigned, we'd just taken over the mortgage on our house. <laughs> and God's timing is outstanding. Take over a mortgage and quit your job. Yes, wisdom. <laughs> um, so we're at this conference a few months before we resigned, and 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 God says to me, there's an offering, right? And God says to me, give $5,000. And God says to Beck, separately, give $5,000. And I lean over to Beck's and I go, I know how much we're supposed to give. Do you have a number? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like cool. What's your number? And she's like, it's a really big number. You know, like in her grace, she was trying to prepare my flesh. And I'm like, yeah, that's okay. So is mine. She's like, oh, thank you. She's like, I've got 5,000. I've got 5,000. So we gave 5,000. That's wow. Grace of God. It's all his anyway. A few weeks later in another offering, he told us to give a thousand and strategically over that few months, he emptied our savings account. And then we took over a mortgage. And then a week later, he said, resign. And we did. Then, through the awesome prophetic word of an amazing young woman, I think she was about 17 at the time. Don't ever discount that God can use you. Some of the most amazing prophetic words I've had have been from people that the pride of my flesh doesn't want to receive the word from. You hear the place of my heart, and we get an amazing prophetic word. You going to Mozambique, so I go home and I sit with God, and we and we we know what we're doing, we know where we're going, and we figure out that it's going to cost us about fifty thousand um, dollars to live for a year and fly all over the place and do all these things. And I'm sitting with God in our little God room, and I'm rocking in my chair. And God says to me, Clear as a bell, believe me for $50,000. Don't you dare ask for it. Don't you put your needs on a website. Just believe me for $50,000. Now, if God says, Ask for it, put your needs on a website, what do you do? You ask for it and put your needs on a website. It's a very simple equation. Follow what He's saying. So we're sitting in the, I'm sitting in this chair going, Believe me, $50,000. Do you know what I did? I got all excited and I ran out to the letterbox. I was like, Where's the $50,000 check? And I did that for three days because I'm still learning. (laughs) And there was no check. And God said, hear what I'm saying, agree, and keep on agreeing. And so as we start to get ready to go, one day I wake up and God says, book flights. And I'm like, but we have no money. And he's like, book flights. And I don't say this as, wisdom, I say this as this is the way that I engaged at the time because of the revelation that I had at the time. So I just slapped them on our visa card. That's what I had access to. Bang, we're going. Over the next, I think we were away for just around about a year, give or take. We got home and I went through our bank account and I added up all the money that went into our bank account over the 12 months that we were away. $100 here, $200 there. Some of our youth were supporting us. Do you know that 10 bucks a week can make your heart sing? A friend of ours put $5.70 into our account and sent us an email and said, it's all I have, but God told me to give it. And I fell to my knees and I gave thanks and I cried again. And I added up all those amounts. Do you know what it came to? 49870 $49,870. Believe me, for $50,000. Over the year, goodness me, we had to keep on agreeing. (laughs) God says in the rocking chair, believe me, for $50,000. And you go, I agree. And then three days later, it hasn't come in one lump sum check, and you just want to bail on the idea. See, it's, it's one level of revelation to agree. It's another level of trust in God to continue agreeing, to continue agreeing. See, when God says, I have an appointed time coming for this house and the carnage keeps happening and the hard stuff keeps happening and people keep leaving and some people leave well and it's actually okay and other people don't and it hurts. Can you continue to agree? Even when your best friend leaves and calls you up and they did this to me and they did that to me and you listen and you love, but you don't let hate grow in your heart because you know that you're supposed to be here and you know there's an appointed time coming for this house and you agree. And it gives you the perseverance and the joy to keep going. Do you know what keeps us going in Africa? Joy. Because we need it. I spend so much time bawling my eyes out. I have to laugh. I have to look at the kids and go, wow, God. Otherwise, I'm not keeping on going. And when you keep on agreeing, what are you doing? You're taking yourself into the presence of God. And what is in the presence of God? Fullness of joy. And what hurt a minute ago is suddenly okay. And I'm still learning this because what hurt a minute ago is suddenly okay. And then five minutes later, it hurts again. I'm like, and I've left the presence of God. But as you continue to agree, carry the words around with you. Put them in front of you. Don't do it in flesh. But if he says, this is how I want to teach you to agree with my word, do it and keep on agreeing. And perseverance will be really, really, really easy because you're agreeing with the one who has all the sovereign power in the universe. Last thought. If some of you are really grateful, that's okay. Come with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Verse 1. Who thought that perseverance would be so fun, eh? Who thought that it would be such a gift? It's kind of up there with patience. And yet they're beautiful because the only way they can manifest is to be poured upon you from heaven and then poured out of you. And who doesn't want to have heaven poured on them? 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse 1. Then it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. So David is not yet king and he's living in Philistine territory and he's fighting with the Philistines and he's gathered this ragtag bunch of men. He's gathered the Mighty men, which is a glorious prophetic phrase for what they would be. Because at the time, they really weren't. They were just a ragtag bunch of nobodies who didn't fit in anywhere. You know, what I've discovered is that often God takes the ragtag bunch of nobodies that don't fit in anywhere and he builds something phenomenal out of them because everybody looks at it and goes, How did that happen? How did it happen? Like, I'm a ragtag nobody. I'm. I'm nothing. Like I get on the least of all because I look at myself in the mirror and I stuff up again and I stuff up again and I struggle with that and that thing comes up to me and yet somehow God goes, I'll take your nothingness and by my grace pour Christ into you and Christ is significant. And somewhere along the way you just learn to say yes and it's really, really, really fun. But David takes this ragtag bunch of nobodies and he draws them together and he gives them a place and he gives them a family. And then they go off to fight with the Philistines previously to verse one and the Philistines are starting to mistrust David because he's actually not a Philistine. And so they send him back to Ziklag, his home. So then it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had made a raid on Negev and Ziklag and had overthrown Ziklag, David and his men's home, and burned it with fire. Verse 2, And they took captive the women of all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anybody, and carried them off and went their way. So David and the men all leave their home. They come back, and there's no woman and children. The place is destroyed. And they realize that the enemy's come and taken away Everything that they have on this earth. Verse 4 Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep. Do you know that's when God moves? Do you know it's when you weep that He moves? When there's no strength left in you that He goes, Finally, I'm ready to pour myself out. I've been sick as a dog for two months. My system was all clogged up and my heart was freaking out. And the doctor said to me, I'm worried you're going to die and your heart's going to stop. And Bex and I were like, well, that sounds a little bit intense, but God's given us promises, so I can't die yet. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) But I was really sick. And one morning I said to God, God, so often what's true in the physical is represented in the spiritual. What the heck is going on? I'm all clogged up. And he said to me, my son, you've forgotten to weep for the children. And I had, because the carnage that is around us is so hard that, that you either have to, you, you make the choice that you're going to live in suffering and victory every day, which is really, really hard, or you're just going to close your heart over and not let any of it get in and just kind of dwell somewhere in the middle, which feels a little bit more stable. No extreme suffering, no extreme victory, just kind of okay. Okay. And I started to weep and weep because the girls that I was frustrated with, these are girls that have been through the most horrendous realities. And I forgot that. And it's the place where you're willing to be nothing that he will come and be everything. They wept until there was no strength in them to weep. Verse 5. Now David's two wives had been taken captive. Ahinoam the Jezreelites and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite. Verse six, moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him for all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and daughters. So this is the picture. Men, come and walk with me. I'll give you a place. I'll give you a home. You will experience victory after victory after victory after victory after the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of God, the power of God. You'll experience it all. And the first time it goes bad, you'll turn around and you'll say, you want to stone me. That's the picture. The people that he poured, David poured his heart out for. The first time it went bad, I'm going to stone you. Second half of verse 6. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Family is right. Walking together is right. But there may come a time in your life where God takes walking with other people And he takes that support and he snaps it over his leg and he tosses it away and you fall over. That's what's happened to us. We've lost our friends. We haven't lost because we're actually more in love with everybody than when we left, but we don't get to experience that every day. God took this crutch that is a God-ordained crutch and he went snap and he tossed it away. God will allow hardship in your marriage. Hear me. He will allow it because you're resting on it. And every day you sing, you're all I need, you're everything, you're all I want. And God takes it away and you go, actually, no, you're not all I want. I need my marriage. I need my children. I need my job. I need my house. And God will take these things because he wants you to get to the point where when it all falls over, you can strengthen yourself in the Lord. You can say, you are enough. I have been tested in every way possible and I know that I know that you're enough. And you only get that when it all gets taken away. The challenge is when it's being taken away to stay in faith that it is right and he is going to return it and not get bitter about it. Because it is right. It's God ordained. But I've come to realize that there was a place in my heart that was not satisfied in him and him alone. And he stripped it away from me, and it's been so hard. And I thank him for doing it. And the next breath, I curse him for doing it. And I thank him for doing it because he's outworking his purposes. Some of you say, don't curse the Lord. And I'm like, well, no, you shouldn't, but I'm being honest. If you want him to change your heart, you kind of have to take it to him. Ah! It's okay. And he wraps his arms around you, and you experience this love in the midst of your ugliness. You know, the times that I've been so encouraged by the love of God have actually been the times when I've been the most ugliest because he comes and he speaks the truth, but he does it in love. And so perseverance is actually when it's all said and done, when carnage is reigning around you, being able to crawl up into the arms of your father, your king, your husband-to-be, and saying you are enough. I will be strengthened in you. And what was the solution? As David strengthened himself in the Lord, the identity of who God had made him to be again came to the fore. God had given him the gift of leadership. He was a follower, but he, he walked with this grace gift of leadership on his back, which meant wherever he followed the king, it created a stream for others to follow with him. And he said to his men, why don't we just go and get them back? <laughs> Easy solution. amen, hey, Aren't we an army? Haven't we been learning to fight for all these years? Well, let's just go and get our woman and our children back. And so they did. And the men loved David again. But had David not been able to strengthen himself in the Lord, he probably, that, that different book. <laughs> um, Holy Spirit saying to Father, we need to rewrite some of this stuff. because David's now out. <laughs> David said no. He wouldn't walk any further. So what I'd love to do, um, perhaps the worship team could come. (sighs) Just be free. Be free. You guys can hear God. If you can't tell him you want to hear him, and then if you hear something, just go with it anyway. As we worship, be free. If you need perseverance, ask for it. If there's bitterness in your heart that won't, you, that won't allow you to receive the gift of heaven and perseverance, yield it. If, like me, you need to come and, and share the hate with him, share the hate with him. If you're in a moment where all you have in your heart is glorious praise for your king, then share glorious praise. There's no judgment here. Well, not from me anyway, because I've been through it all. But what I really believe God wants to do <laughs> particularly, it might be for all of you, it may just be for some of you, is pour the gift of perseverance into your hearts. And so, Lord, as we worship, here we are saying that we are yours. Goodness me, we are yours. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we are yours. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that as we worship, that you would help us to lay our hearts before you the parts of our hearts that we don't even know exist, that we would lay them before you. The hurt of the last few years in this house. And I want to say to you, if you're hurt, it's okay. It's not okay, but it's okay to bring it to him. But it's simply the reality of of the gifts that he's given to his body being brought forward in immaturity immaturity that he may redeem them and teach them and they may be further yielded to him that they may come into maturity and if you're hurting yield it to him if you don't know how tell him that you want to and, and and you don't know how and he'll show you because he's just that good And so, Lord, I thank you that this journey is not about what we do for you. It's not about exercising the strength of our flesh. It's not about being some big, significant person who can do everything. It's actually about learning to lie down and give up and be filled with the person of Christ and then walk in a victory and a wonder and a suffering and a grace that covers the suffering and a greater victory and a greater suffering and a greater victory and a greater suffering until the point that we can say in the victory, my pride is not there. And in the suffering, my pride is not there. Jesus is in all and I am in Jesus. And so King, let us yield our hearts this morning. Let us yield our hearts, whatever it looks like. If it's messy, let it be messy. If it's beautiful, let it be beautiful. And may we encounter your presence to save, heal, deliver, and give the food of yourself to us that we need to keep us going. In your precious name, amen. Why don't we stand?